want to remind you before we get started the TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here alongside ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Um, Courtney, I need you to go check outside, look around, and see. Put on your binoculars and see if Courtney, our draft scout, is around. Because I did something today that I usually don't do. Usually, until the season ends, I don't peek at any mock drafts. But Courtney, our draft scout, might need to analyze one because I opened one up and I have it on my computer and I want to tell you about it. All right, hold on. Let me text her. Hey, <laughs> you busy. You busy. Oh, we got we got, we have some dots. We have some dots going. I didn't even know she had an iPhone. I thought she was an Android person. <laughs> what do you want? That's okay. how she responds to uh, me. So she, she knows I want something. So let me let me work on her for a minute. And but I, right. I'm sure she'll be able to come. I'll I'll I'll, I'll make her a deal. It is Courtney, our draft scouts off season. So because it's not draft season. Uh, what so, do you think she's been doing the last couple months? I mean, she's off the road right now because all the games are over. But like, gosh, she's gearing up for the college football playoff, all these bowl right. games, all these last second take. visits. I mean, God, she's busy. Yeah, you're right. You're kind right. of rude I'm... of us to be like interrupting her at this time of year. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so uh, I opened up PFF's mock draft. Uh, that has the Vikings picking 12th, by the way, which would be, is that the highest that they've picked? At least in a, in since I've been long, here. Yeah, yeah, quite a long time. Uh, and this has the Vikings with the 12th overall pick taking Kair Elam, who is a corner out of Florida. Uh, and uh, I think that this sort of sparks a little bit of a conversation about the cornerbacks. Cause I wrote about this today. Uh, I know that you did not have a chance to get on Mike Zimmer's zoom call on Friday, but he ranted about the corners kind of a lot. He went through this entire laundry list of all these things that he hated that they did against the Steelers. This guy was wrong in his technique. We're playing outside on this play and that, but like, uh, you know, there was a lot going on there. Um, so I think it's interesting that they go with that. Because the outside world is maybe not believing that the Vikings would be in the quarterback draft conversation. That that is the most notable part of this mock draft, I think. Yeah, I think I could absolutely see this happening when you know when you're talking early, you know, early projections for what they might do with their first round pick, cornerback, defense, anywhere in the defense, really. I mean, whether you're going to be drafting an edge rusher because they certainly need one. Cause there's so much uncertainty there with Daniel Hunter and like, you know, what do they do? Do they pick up his option only to trade him? Do they cut him before the fifth day of the league year before that $18 million option becomes guaranteed? Like, what are they going to do there? Doesn't feel like Everson Griffin's going to be coming back uh, anytime soon or to play football, maybe ever again. And even still, He's 33 years old. You were you, this was a one year thing. Like so, you were going to be thinking about the other side of the defensive line, regardless. So, you know whether you see an edge rusher that you really like up front, like with, with you know top 12, top 15 pick, 
or it's going to be a cornerback because Patrick Peterson, he's got, you know, it's a one-year deal for him. So they've got to figure out what they're doing beyond this season with him. Bashad Breeland, probably gone. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. But it's the answer is not Cameron Dantzler. The answer is not Chris Boyd. It's not Harrison Hand. Those are backup quality players who have been forced into playing some considerable minutes because of the injuries that have happened. And just because they're so thin at that position. So I, I don't know who that player is. I'm, you know, draft scout hasn't talked to me in a while. She's been busy. So I've left her alone. Obviously in the next couple of weeks, she and I will reconvene. She'll walk me through her her trials and tribulations of the last four or five months since I last talked to her and last saw her. And then we'll really get into, okay, who do we need to be looking at the Vikings targeting? But I think it's like a broad picture thing. Cornerback or defensive end are the first two positions that come to my mind. But, you know, when you hear what Mike Zimmer had to say, and I mean, I, I looked over the transcript um, from, from Friday's press conference, he did not mince words just about the way, the way he felt his corners were playing. And I mean, all season long, though, it's been this constant push and pull of learn the technique, do the right things. Don't play four yards off your receiver in the backed up into the end zone, learn how to defend the goal line. Like Bashad Breeland drawing DPI every single game. I mean, it's just like, it's like, when is enough going to be enough? And, you know, it also begs the question, are they being taught something that's almost impossible to do with the way that the NFL and games are officiated right now? I'm just talking about the penalties and all of that. And just, do you need to kind of overhaul that position entirely? Because it kind of felt like they were on the verge of something. Jeff Gladney situation happens. Cam Dantzler gets hurt a lot as a rookie and then is kind of behind the eight ball and never was really in the mix for the starting job. So then they have to go find a cheap veteran and Bashad Breland who really hasn't panned out. Like it's just, it hasn't worked out the way they anticipated it would. So why not hit the reset button and just try to start over? Yeah. So i uh, give you a stat here on the corners. I typed in the numbers for the top three corners that have played like the most uh, times targeted since Mike Zimmer has been here. And uh, from 2016 to 2018, I mean, actually every year before 2019, they allowed a under 95 quarterback rating. So just the cornerback group allowed under a 95 quarterback rating, which is extremely good. So you're talking about when opposing quarterbacks are targeting their top wide receivers against your top corners they were getting like average NFL results or worse. 2016 was really, really good in, in this, uh, in this metric. But since then, 2019, 20 and 21, it's been over a 110. So basically mm-hmm. anytime you corner, uh, you can target a corner for the Vikings, you are turning yourself into an MVP candidate over the last three years. And that does make you wonder, is it something that they're doing But then you look at the players that they have run out there. So Xavier Rhodes fell off the face of the earth one year. I think he was trying to play through injury and also asking him to be that shutdown guy in 2019 was not the same as 2017. So maybe there was some coaching error there. Uh, But last year, like you said, you're talking about Chris Jones playing, Chris Boyd playing a lot. Jeff Gladney struggled a lot as a rookie and Cam Dantzler uh, had his ups and downs when he was actually playing, but they, I mean, they were getting deep into the Harrison hand is in the game and so forth. And I think that everybody believed that this would be at least improved, at least closer to average with this year. And it has not been, but I think that it was foreseeable to say, 
Patrick Peterson will probably just be Patrick Peterson from Arizona. That the, There isn't some magic button that Mike Zimmer could push to turn back the clock on a guy who's just like not as fast anymore as he once was. Mm-hmm. And Breland was always a penalty monster. The one that is disappointing, I would say, from his previous performance is Mackenzie Alexander, yeah. who has had an awful year. Uh, he's one of the lowest graded in terms of coverage in the entire NFL. And then if you thought Xavier Woods was going to be a game changer in some way uh, at safety, well, you know, they signed him for $2 million. So I, I think that it's probably much more personnel and roster building to try to patchwork a group that is so important to Mike Zimmer and the way that he wants to play defense. That's probably the fundamental disconnect for me because all of these were flawed. And then, you know, Mike Hughes has a big game yesterday for the Kansas city chiefs. You go like, I still don't really get what was happening there that Mike Hughes has been healthy and playing football for another team. The assumption was that the guy his legs don't work anymore or something. And that's why you're giving him away for absolutely nothing. And instead they gave away a player who's been useful for someone else. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more roster process than it is Mike Zimmer. But I also think it's possible that he still coaches his defense. Like it's really talented when it's not. And he's learned this year that you can't just throw out your defense and be like, all right, go be 2017 go pull out a stop on the end of at the end of a game when you need one. Like you can't expect that that defense that we saw gave up that big drive in the touchdown to Jared Goff and the lions, but that wouldn't have happened in 17, but it felt like Zimmer was in that moment coaching them. Like it was the 2017 defense rushing three, dropping eight. Yeah. I know we've been over this before, but that's where I think it, it is personnel, but I think it's the way that the personnel has been coached too, where you can't just kind of jam this thing through the mail slot and expect it to fit. Like it's just not the way that way. And when you're talking about roster management decisions and everything else that's gone on with personnel and, you know, they thought Mike Hughes and the neck injury was going to be the end of his career yet. He's over playing for the Kansas city chiefs and has had a pretty considerably good season for, for what he is. And, you know, I, so much of what they do in the draft obviously is going to depend on who the head coach is, who's calling the shots in the front office. Like there's still four games left here. There's six and seven. If they don't make the playoffs, you've got to be thinking that, you know, and and even still, even if they do, if it's anything, I've heard every argument of if they don't make the playoffs or if it's anything less than the NFC championship game, that everybody's gone, which you can understand. If you overhaul though, the entire coaching staff and you bring in an offensive coach is he going to see that the same way where you need to take a corner right away with the 12th overall pick and same with the front office. Like, you know, they've had, they've had some hits and misses and especially at that position, but like the last corner that you can really think that Zimmer developed probably was Mackenzie Alexander in 2016. But think about what a fight that was to get that to happen. Like before that, it's probably Trey Waynes and he's not even playing here anymore. So can you bring in, at that position, can you bring somebody in and make it work quicker rather than this long, drawn-out process that it's been the last couple of years with the Mike Hughes and the injuries and Jeff Gladney and you know his off-the-field stuff that got him out of here? And you know Cam Dantzler was a third-round pick, and there was a lot of promise around him. But again, he was a third-round corner, and that's never a sure thing. So I, I think you just try to keep swinging get as many bites of that apple as you can at that position, because that's just been your demise. I mean, defensively, there's going to be a lot of turnover this off season. There always is. I mean, if 
Why? Because based on what you have to do with Kirk Cousins contract, that's going to determine where you have to release veterans, where you have to cut guys that are going to be cap casualties, whatever you have to do. If Cousins is on the roster or not, it's still going to affect what you can do defensively. So the draft might be your best place to to try to you know shore up that position from the start. Yeah, I think that the cornerback position shows itself every single week for how incredibly valuable it is. If you have somebody who can track number one wide receivers, because you think about how many there are in the league in terms of number one wide receivers. And I'm watching Devonte Adams just take apart the uh, Chicago bears and they have a good one, Jalen Johnson, but still it, it, you need someone who can at least stay with them because even when the Vikings game plan is to just throw to their best receiver, it works when the other team does not have somebody who can stay with uh, Justin Jefferson um, you know, you see the value of someone like uh, Jair Alexander, and then you see when Jair Alexander is not in there and yeah. what that results in. Uh, so I think that, that that position is incredibly valuable. You could see when the Vikings could island Xavier Rhodes, how much difference that made, because they could roll their safeties to the other side and give Trey Wayne's help. Then it was like, where are you going to go with the football? In the middle of the field is two really good coverage linebackers. And then you have, you know, maybe that's why the nickel corner position was so effective and isn't now because you can't island somebody uh, or you can't play single high. You need to play two safeties mm-hmm. to give help everywhere. I think it's that been a while like- since they've been able to do that. Like truly think about it. Like even in 19, there were so many flaws with that with that mm-hmm. scheme with what they were doing because athleticism wore off injuries became an issue for Xavier Rhodes, all those things. So it's like they kept trying to piecemeal that thing together by going to the draft, by getting a first round corner in 20, by getting a third round corner in 20 yet. It almost makes you wonder in hindsight and yeah, hindsight's everything, but if you would have just blown it up differently, could you have been a little bit further ahead? Like, you know, if this would, if this was, was different, how would things look now? I mean, of course, that's always the risk that you run that you're going to be like kicking yourself in hindsight, but they've been trying to like, again, this is like their overall philosophy, one foot in one foot out, like contending yet rebuilding retooling this part of the defense yet also keeping some of the same personnel. It's been an issue for you. Like that's just not the way to do it. I think that uh, drafting Gladney and Dantzler, made sense from rebuilding it that way, but yeah, they never panned out, but they also spent $15 million or whatever it was 13 million on Anthony Harris to franchise tag him when that position has really shown itself to be one where you can sort of put someone just next to Harrison Smith and they'll be competent. So you spent a lot of money in that spot. Then we're very light on guard, very light on corner where you're hoping that rookies can come in and succeed. And that's just not something that can really happen in the NFL at that position. That's 2020. So then this year you say, well, we made that mistake last year. So we're not going to draft any corners, which was very odd. I mean, Cam Dantzler, uh, I'm sorry, Cam Bynum, Cam Bynum. was a sa- moved to safety immediately. He was announced as a safety by yep. Rick Spielman at the draft. And, and so they draft zero corners. And I think all of us went like, oh, that's odd. Because I remember even having this discussion of if they drafted a first round corner or a third round corner, uh, that everyone would be kind of okay with it, even though you want the more flashy positions and will they draft a quarterback in the first and all that. But I think that there was kind of an agreement that, People are tired of drafting corners, but it really is necessary with the way that things look. 
at the moment. Um, and they just decided, nope, we are not drafting any corners, not at all. We need a backup quarterback. We need a guard who's not going to play. I did like that pick at the time. but I uh, did too. We all did. Uh, uh, but I mean, even a linebacker, a fourth linebacker in Chaz Surratt, who might someday be good. but Converted still linebacker. Right. Another one of those like, oh, you picked a project linebacker, huh? Instead of, you know, a corner. So um, I think that corner makes sense for this mock draft for something they need to look at. I also think it's going to drive everyone insane if they do that, um, just because they've struggled so much at this position in recent years. But that actually leads me to where I wanted to go with the rest of the show, which is to imagination land. Now, I I don't know if we have ever gone to imagination land together on the show, uh, but in imagination land, we think of how something either could have been or might be and then discuss it. And so I want to connect this to this mock draft because we'll have plenty of time to preview the bears game and the playoff scenarios and everything else. But I was thinking about imagination land uh, and what it might be like at the draft if Byron Leftwich was their new head coach and I don't know, some other guy is the GM. I'm not sure. Like brilliant young genius is their GM. Byron <laughs> and Byron Leftwich is their coach. How different do you think that they would approach the draft than if it's Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer in imagination? Well, my first question for imagination land is does Byron Leftwich want Kirk Cousins as his quarterback? That's the big thing. Like he, you know, is dealing with a pretty great situation right now. Got a Super Bowl ring with Tom Brady, probably going to get another one this year. I don't know if you've seen the Bucks schedule the rest of the way, but whatever. I'm just I'm just bored with that. But anyways, like Byron Leftwich, yay, he just coming off a Super Bowl title two in a row and now he's coming to Minnesota and he's thinking there are a lot of pieces in this offense but I need to have my guy at quarterback. I don't want to be inked into Kirk Cousins for the next three years when I've got my mind on this person. But as it pertains to the draft, if you're picking 12th, will a quarterback be there? Sure. But this is not a very deep quarterback class. Are you potentially looking at like a Matt Corral or something? Like, is that who you really want? Is that an NFL talent that you think is going to win you a lot of games? I mean, regardless... We've seen this happen. Everybody outside of Mac Jones and even Mac Jones to a degree, all rookie quarterbacks are struggling this year. This was supposed to be the year that broke the mold and it hasn't because he's, I mean, Zach Wilson is a disaster right now and he's number two overall pick. Trey Lance hasn't done anything. Um, Justin Fields. I watched him last night. He had one good quarter and then like after that. So, I mean, it's just like, if, if Byron Leftwich, offensive-minded Byron Leftwich, is coming in and saying, well, I need to start with my side of the ball, you know, there's going to be a, there's so many questions. You like It's such a chicken and an egg type conversation because if Kirk Cousins is willing to agree to a two-year deal, let's say like a two-year, another two-year extension, like he did a two-year extension before, so maybe that would be what he wants. Could Byron Leftwich get by with that? and be able to build around him even further, maybe get another receiver in the draft, maybe you know get another offensive lineman that you actually anticipate will play. Um, I don't know. But I think that if you're a head coach coming in, you've got to look at your weakest link first. And to me, the weakest link is still the defense on this team. But it's compounded by the fact that you have this massive quarterback 
question mark of what you're going to do because financially you have to figure him out first before you can do anything else. That's just the order of things. So can you get by with Kirk Cousins for another two years? Okay. Ink him to another two-year extension, give him 66 mil, whatever the hell it was last time. I don't care. I, I am not even going to like try to do the financials. But then that'll allow you the space that you need in free agency to, well, first off, release Anthony Barr. He's a, he's a free agent after the season anyways. Maybe, 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 maybe you decide that you want to move on from Harrison Smith. And I say that because of the contract and what it is right now, because of the financial strain of Kirk Cousins' contract, you might be having to cut a lot of very expensive veterans. Yes, I know they just paid him, but there's look look at the way that yeah, contract. You, you is would trade you him can, in that scenario, yes. probably. Yeah. Yes. So I could, you know, I could see them still going cornerback, but I could also, if if the Cousins situation, if they end up moving on and they have to draft somebody, like or because, be realistic, like who else is out there in free agency? that you would potentially get. I mean, unless somebody comes to you via trade, like a Russell Wilson, but even then I can't see that happening. Hey everybody, Minnesota football is in full swing and there is no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Minnesota football tickets because TickPick, that is T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. It's the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for football tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of your tickets. Don't believe it if you can find better prices on the same seats on another site. TickPick will give you 110% of the difference now we've had lots of exciting games at u.s bank stadium this year there are still more to go including los angeles coming here it's always interesting when chicago comes to town so you're going to want to go to tickpick.com and check it out and make sure it's tickpick.com slash insider because you can save ten dollars on your first order for minnesota tickets that's tickpick.com slash insider this is the interesting question from Imagination Land uh, about the offensive head coach. Mm-hmm. If they are to uh, move on from Mike Zimmer and hire an offensive head coach, and I use Byron Leftwich because I think I like him as a candidate. Uh, I know he's had Tom Brady. That certainly helps. I also like people who have been in the NFL for a long time. I can't. Yeah. I can't think of why I'm saying that, but people, not Matt Rule, not Urban Meyer, people who have been (laughs) in the actual NFL should get actual NFL jobs. I'm just throwing that out there. Anyway, so uh, I wonder if a former quarterback would look at Cousins and say, man, I mean, this guy really operates an offense and all I need to do is X, Y, and Z and then that will take the offense to the next level. Uh, Or if a former quarterback would say, you know what? I know his numbers are good, but I'm a former quarterback and I see that he just doesn't have whatever. And you see this very varying of opinions because there are former players that I've talked to former quarterbacks who will say, dude, cousins is unbelievable. And he just needs whatever. And look at his technique and look at how well he throws when he's got a clean pocket and everything else. There are other former quarterbacks who I've talked to who say it hurts their soul to watch Kirk cousins because of his lack of athleticism. And because the throw that Justin Herbert made yesterday is not within imagination land for Kirk cousins to be able to just make 
special next level winning plays and there's not the leadership there's not the baller kind of element to him so there's there's such a wide varying of opinions i think even within football people about kirk cousins and that would be your number one question if you're the wilfs and whoever is doing the interviewing for the next head coach is like what do you want to do at the quarterback position because i think it's i think you could talk yourself into like oh if i just do this or mm-hmm. you could say well they had a top 10 scoring offense so what's the problem there we just need the defense to be different or we just need another guard for him and that's going to be the issue and then i think you sort of wrap yourself into a cycle of the same things continuing mm-hmm. to well, happen but i think it's a very very difficult question for whoever if they do change coaches in imagination land whoever they talk to like what what is your thought on that i would say more likely that cousin stays than goes if there's a new coach because it's so tricky financially because you need to but like you don't want to bring in a coach and already have like the decision i mean granted you will have a couple months that's a good thing it's not like you have to like ink cousins to an extension the Monday after week 18 ends, if they're not in the playoffs or even if you know week 19, whatever, like you, you have a little bit of time, you get the head coach in and you get to feel out, okay, what does he want? It's not like you have to get cousins figured out first. You have until really start a free agency to do so. I like the idea of having an offensive minded coach or in a former quarterback making this decision in imagination, in imagination land, because The people who made the Cousins decision last time in 2018, the big quarterback thing, were a general manager who has never gotten the quarterback position right and a defensive-minded head coach who wanted a game manager and did not want to overpay for a quarterback, which is exactly what they ended up doing. So you bring somebody in who actually understands intimately what the position requires and what that whole the whole mess entails of, of the finances that go into it, of the pieces you need to put around it. If you can, if you had somebody who could look at Kirk cousins and say, I, we see each other, I see you. And I understand what you need because I understand this position and what goes into it and what a quarterback of your skill set. And, and you've reached your ceiling. Like Kirk has reached his ceiling skill set wise. I mean, yes, he's cut down on the interceptions last this, this season. Like he's got a great touchdown to interception ratio. He's been able to, when he's actually going for the one-on-one ball, been really, really good in those situations. Much of that has to do with Justin Jefferson and his emergence over the first two seasons, but also cousins willing to take those shots and be able to air out the deep ball. So, whoever's making that decision has to look at this and say, can we work within the confines of this offense? What more do we need here to make you successful? Um, Certainly the play calling aspect of that is going to be a big factor. Like if Byron Lefwich becomes the head coach here, I would imagine that he's calling plays, right? Like it's not honestly at this point, does it feel like Clint Kubiak's going to be back next year? Like, I mean, he's football royalty. You cannot really just like can him without like canning the rest of the staff, but I, I think that in imagination land, that's something that you have to like factor in here. Like it's the play calling, helping my quarterback. Could I do better in that respect? And I think that that just kind of like factors into the whole thing because he'll have to make that whoever the new head coach, if there is one, will have to make that decision probably within like the first week or so of well, you're coming in knowing, do I want to work with this quarterback or do we have to move on? Because if we have to move on, then you're looking at blowing up the entire roster. 
in a lot of different areas because of, you know, moving on from cousins financially, what that does to you. That's why his contract right now as is, is basically untradeable unless you're willing to take on a big portion um, of absorbing some of his contract. So what does that mean elsewhere? What does that mean for Adam Thielen? What does that mean for all these other expensive veterans who you're thinking maybe we should restructure them too? Like, are they part of the plan going forward? And and that's the big question is, are you deciding that you are trying to push to win with your new coach in imagination land or that you're going to kind of hit the reset button. And if you're going to hit the reset button, then you trade cousins to Pittsburgh for a first round draft pick and you draft Kenny Pickett and you draft whatever corner to start or pass rusher. I really think the thing about pass rushers that's different from corners, at least from my feeling is if you get one and he's good, they're good every year for a really long time. And they're just, Good after good after good. And I know Hunter has been hurt, but corners, it seems like there's much more of one year a guy is great. And then the next year, unless it's Jalen Ramsey, someone who's just completely next level. One year, they're great. One year, they're kind of down. Uh, pass rushers seem to be a little more consistent. And I think there's value there in drafting, even though the the basic chart of draft value would say maybe they're not quite as high on yeah. that list. Um, but anyway, and I mean, it's not like, you know, with the edge rushers too. I mean, there's, I'm looking at this mock draft that PFF did. They're not going to be in position for a cave on Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson right. who might go, you know, first overall to Detroit. You know, there's, there's a lot there though, that beyond that mix. And I know I had mentioned Matt Corral, like PFF has him going one, one above the Vikings to Philadelphia. Um, like they could be in the mix for a quarterback there or an edge rusher. It's just, you're not going to be getting like the cream of the crop because it's actually a pretty good edge rusher class. Like unlike last year's class, it's kind of like flipped where the quarterbacks are, you know, there's less value for a first round quarterback than there is, you know, edge rushers this year, because there's actually a considerable amount of them that you could, that you could theoretically see at 12. Yeah. The edge rusher class was weird last year because they were in the bottom of the first round, but they weren't really in the top, which they usually mm-hmm. are. Um, yeah. And, and it's like flipped that, this year. Right. Likewise year. with, Quarterbacks are usually all the way at the top, though. I tend to think that we're going to see some quarterback, at least one or two, uh, go higher. And mm-hmm. there is a point just to make an aside here about Justin Herbert, that he was the third quarterback drafted. And there were a lot of questions. There was a lot of, does he really do this? Does he really do that? And I myself was like unimpressed watching him play at Oregon and he's an unbelievable talent. So like this always kind of happens that you talk yourself out of guys and then if they're in the right situation and then they have the physical skills, it can work. Uh, anyway, so uh, in imagination land with our offensive head coach, do you think it would be a better plan with Byron Leftwick, which is the coach? to try to win right away with a new coach or would it be to take the longer term rebuild of the the rest of the entire roster they needed to do this in 2020 and they shot themselves in the foot by being one foot in one foot out they shot the good foot not the bad foot um (laughs) so you need to rebuild like i think that you i mean depending upon what the roster look like looks like that's obviously a big part of it but I think you can fix your cap situation like where you're not. If you're going all in right now, it's going to still be the same sort of cash strapped situation where you have an expensive quarterback. Cause like if, if I'm thinking long-term, I don't think Kirk cousins is part of that. I think trade him, get a first round pick from Pittsburgh, maybe even from Denver. I mean, remember like they need a quarterback too. There are a lot of teams that need a quarterback. I just wrote about this. Like the saints need a quarterback potentially. Um, and who knows, maybe there's even some swapping of quarterbacks. Like 
just throwing this out there. What if Derek Carr ends up here? Right? Like that's that's yeah. a possibility. Like the Raiders might not be like they're gonna have a new coach next year. Like, is he part of their future plans? Could the Vikings I mean he's got the game manager label on him to some degree too. So what do they want at that position? But regardless, if you're going to be tearing it down, you should probably start over from a lot of different respects, which also you've got to wonder too, though, if you're doing that, what does that do for someone like a Justin Jefferson who's in win now mode and he's two years into his career? He's a superstar. Like how do you factor him into your plans? Like that's why it's such a tricky equation to solve because if you take a step back, you have like this one superstar talent, like Dalvin Cook at this point, you know, we, he's, he's good when he's good and he's good when he's healthy. He's been less healthy recently. And like, do they potentially, I mean, they, there's ways for them to get out of that contract, not too far from now. So, but with Justin Jefferson, it's such a the guy, I mean, you're, you're not even like close to like at the point of picking up his fifth year option yet. We're talking about, do we need to think about where he would fit into the plans of what you could get for him trading him, which I think if Byron Leftwich came in here and had to trade Justin Jefferson away, that would probably break his heart because you could see how much damage you can do offensively with him. But if you are taking the long haul approach of give us two to three years to get back to where we need to be, where we're actually contending and not doing this seesaw of an up and down season, it might come at the cost of getting rid of some really good players in the short term for the long term gain. Yeah, with Justin Jefferson, you only need to be good. This is how they should really think of it, because I think Jefferson is so important to this franchise that everything should be based on keeping him long term and having him be happy in your franchise. I, I agree. I, I wouldn't want to get rid of him. Right. I wouldn't want to get rid of him. You don't want a redux of what happened with Stefan Diggs, and that's going to haunt them. Uh, but, you know, I think that all you have to do is be good the year he's signing his contract which would be his fourth year. So not even necessarily 2022 that you have to be competing for a Super Bowl, but more 2023 because he has no power. Like he is a Minnesota Viking until that contract situation comes up because the, the, no one's ever trading him for anything and he could be as unhappy as he wants, which he seems like he's not unhappy at the moment. Seems but- like he's getting better at, um, I mean, he seems like he's in a better spot ever since the, like week 10, week yeah, nine. Yeah. Yeah, when they started throwing in the ball more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you Imagine know, his, number, his numbers are phenomenal and everything else. So I think he doesn't have much reason to be unhappy aside from the guy wants to win. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he has a winner mentality that maybe not everybody on the team does. And uh, I think that if you have your plans dead set on 2023 is the year you can compete for the Super Bowl. If you go 13 and four that year, we saw this in 2017, everybody signs the contracts. Right, mm-hmm. Kendricks and Diggs and Hunter, they just signed. We we thought somebody was gone. They just signed right up. Okay, we're staying. They all took team friendly deals until they realized, oh shoot, we shouldn't have done that. I <laughs> yeah, used right. Diggs. Right. Uh, well, let me take us to a different imagination land. Imagination land. Um, Vikings are in the playoffs. They're headed to Lambeau. They got the seven seed. Packers yep. got two seed. We're driving back down there into the belly of the beast, dodging deer on the way, as we always do, uh, driving through Wisconsin. And the Vikings kick a last second field goal from 52 yards out. Greg Joseph, one of the great clutch field goals in Vikings <laughs> history to beat the Green Bay Packers. 
they will have finished, say, eight and nine, made the playoffs because Washington melts down. In imagination, playoff land, what does that mean for everyone? If they were to go to Lambeau, despite going eight and nine, and be A.A. Ron, and especially with a kick. I mean, it means I that mean, uh, Greg Joseph gets a statue at that point. Yeah, right? he, they're, they're exonerated from all of their past kicking woes. Right. Um, I... If they win a playoff game, it would make sense when you're looking at this from like a rational perspective, right? Like do the one thing that you didn't do last year, win a playoff, get to the playoffs and win a game. But I don't know. I still think I believe in the school of thought that if it's anything less than the NFC championship, they can't they can't go on with this group. This ownership group has to look at this. I mean, and they there's something about the Packers that, you know, is really ingrained, like, oh, we have to beat them. That's like what the Wilfs think. Like that's that's always kind of driven. Like they want that's 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 their that's who they keep pace with, like Green Bay. That is their measuring stick. That's who, you know, they are able to kind of gear gauge like, hey, are we on the right track or how far are we out of, you know, being Green Bay level? Because they're in your division. I still, I'm going to go with my gut here, though, in imagination land and say that even if it's a 52-yard field goal, I think there's, I think there are changes with this coaching staff. I think there are mm. changes with this front office. Maybe not for Kirk Cousins at that point because it's like, shoot, how much better can you get? Like, if, if, if they think that it's not Kirk, and, and it's not Ben. I mean, it's just he's just very expensive and makes it very tricky with his contract situation, but... If you were to able to, if you're able to, you know, get a coach that you want in here that's going to go the right direction, because I feel like they've just that that I hate saying this, but it feels like that's a scenario based on a lot of luck. Kicking a 52 yard field goal as time expires, well, why did why did the game come down to a 52 yard field goal in imagination land? Is it because your defense sucked again, and and it was a situation that they gave up a game winning drive just like they did? against the Packers the last time we see them play. And it takes Kirk Cousins leading a game-winning drive to come back after the defense, you know, gets torched up and down the field by A.A. Ron. Like, then I think you're looking at this and saying, hey, we've seen as far as we can go. Like, great that, that, great that you want a playoff game. Have fun divisional playoffs. You're done after that. I mean, they learned their lesson the first time around when they won on that push-off from Kyle Rudolph in New Orleans. Yes, I said it. That, that win gave Kirk his extension. That win gave Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer their extensions. I think that this ownership group learned from their mistake with that of just let's not knee-jerk our way into doling out millions and millions of dollars in years on these people's deals when we're not sure we want to be locked into them anyways. I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten very good in my life at admitting when I need some help. If you are struggling to figure out how to navigate workers' compensation and disability laws, I've got a team that can lend you a hand. Kemet, Samford, and Kramer are dedicated and experienced disability attorneys, so if you find yourself on your company's injury report, Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. Their team of disability attorneys have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars in unpaid and denied benefits. They can help you fight wrongfully denied work comp claims, or if your claim has been accepted, they can assist with rehabilitation or medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, or ensure that you're getting everything you're entitled to. 
Mike, Pat, and Evan will take care of all the legal aspects of your case while you focus on what's most important, that's your recovery. There is no fee or cost for reaching out to them. You do not pay a single cent unless they are successful in obtaining your benefits. So make sure to go to their website, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. That is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. This has been an attorney advertisement for Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. Folks, it's that time again where you're doing your online shopping for the holidays. And look, if you want free shipping, I can help you out with that. For all of your Minnesota sports-inspired goods, use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER when you go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. You can get their North State beanie, their Adam Thielen autograph shirts, Marcus Foligno fan club design for all of you hockey fans out there, and the one I always mention because it's the best one, the Randy Moss Disgusting Act. You can put that on a hoodie, shirt, or almost anything else. And plus... Anything you want with Skull on it, Soda Stick has it. Again, that's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K dot com. Perfect for gifts, and you can get that shipping free by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. So does that mean that you think that no matter what happens almost, unless we are talking about uh, an historic type of run? Yeah, if they win the next four straight? Well, or just go from eight and nine to the NFC Championship game, which almost never happens. Never happens. That, yeah. yeah. That it's, I mean, the Vikings, what? Uh, well, there's never been a seven seed, obviously, to do this because there's just new seven seed. But, um, you know, like 1987, Vikings are uh, a middling team that ends the season poorly and then goes to the NFC Championship game and is a drop pass away from maybe beating Washington. But you don't see this much. The Giants are the example that always gets brought up, but it's like the Giants are pretty far in the past now yeah. the team that was can't wait till the- they blow that one up this year right i mean so uh i basically what you're saying is you think that it's inevitable then because i think the best case scenario for this particular roster especially one that's capable of almost blowing a 29 point lead and losing to the detroit yeah. Lions two weeks ago it, it, the best case scenario would be Go play a team you're really familiar with, beat them, surprise them, uh, and then go on to the NFC Championship – or not the NFC Championship, the divisional Divisional playoffs, yeah. And then lose there to a better team on the road, going on the road twice in a row super hard. Um, That seems like that's the best-case scenario for this season, and you think that it still ends up with you're making major changes. They're running into a brick wall regardless of how far they go into the playoffs because contractually they have to figure something out with Kirk Cousins. Like – could you keep him at 45 million that cap hit and just be like, play it out. Like we'll decide after this year you could, you'd have to, the pain is going to come from somewhere else, right? Like it's going to come from what you have to let go of defensively. It's going to potentially come from what you have to do offensively. Like, are you cutting Adam Thielen? Like, are you, are you trading Dalvin cook? I mean, what are you doing there? Because financially something's got to give here. If Kirk, if you don't want to extend Kirk, if you won't take a team friendly deal, whatever there, you could keep him at 45. It would be absolutely idiotic if they did that, but you could. Um, and then, you know, but beyond that, like, I feel like they've seen everything they need to see. Like this team nearly gave up a, a, a loss of historic proportions with the largest comeback in NFL history. That was, you know, a dropped, great tight window throw, but like a drop pass from Pat Fryermuth away from that game going overtime and potentially the Steelers winning. Like I've seen enough, like the Wolves have got to look at themselves in the mirror and say, it's not just like keep giving one more chance, one more chance, one more chance. It's like, 
this is who you are. Do you want to be this team? Like, yeah, you're, you're more relevant than, you know, I was talking to somebody last night and I'm like, man, like, you know, watching the bears offense. And I'm just like, Jesus, this is brutal. And it's sometimes you have to put things in a perspective. They're like, well, yeah, like now don't you like, you know, don't you, don't you feel a little bit luckier that you cover the Vikings versus this crap? And I'm like, Yes and no, because while the Bears struggled to get to 30 points after an explosive second quarter, like the Vikings have their flaws offensively. And I don't think that it's just like a matter of, oh, you fix a defense, like this same unit is going to be okay doing what it's doing. Like you have to do something. Like you, because some, it's all coming to a head. Like there are questions that have to be answered, questions you can't push off to the next year. And of course, it all starts with Cousins' contract. And it starts then beyond that with Zimmer and Spielman. Like you wouldn't be like, even if things were in a perfect world, I don't think you want to be dumb and give them more extensions on top of the one that they're in the first year of three year deals for both of them. Like they have two years left on this thing. Why would you extend them again? Like I've always heard that fear from Vikings fans, like, great, they're going to win a playoff game and everybody's going to get extended again. The quarterback I could understand, but the other two, absolutely not. You still have two years left on your deal. So I still think Regardless of what happens, there were too many embarrassments, too many near misses, too much of the same old, same old for the Wolves to sit by, back and say, yeah, we're going to continue this one more year. Just give them one more year. Because, like, we've seen how far this team can get. Is is more time really going to help? I think the answer ultimately is no. So, and, and they learned their lesson the first time they did this by locking themselves into the three parties after the New Orleans game in 2019. Don't do it again. The, the difference between missing the playoffs and even with the same record, even with eight and nine, missing the playoffs and winning a playoff game and then getting bludgeoned the next week is I think that ownership, if they miss the playoffs, will view it as oh, there, there needs to be a lot of things that are fixed with this roster and, and it needs to be a lot better in order for us to be a contender versus and we're not that far away. I, I really think that that would change the perception entirely. Even if nothing is different, even if they finish the same exact way, they split these final four games and they finish eight and nine. I, it feels very much like they would be like, well, we, you know, we want a playoff game and we're in the divisional round. Yeah. All we need is X, Y, and Z. And then we're there. All we need is a, a guard and a corner or two. Um, even though there's a lot more that is necessary to happen here in terms of changes, I think, uh, in order to aim for the actual Super Bowl. Uh, before we stop, um, what do you think? How many games do you think they win here out of the final four? Because I watched Chicago last night and said yeah. that should be too automatic. Yes, that Chicago defense, be. that Chicago defense is as bad as its offense. It is mm-hmm. so bad. That, I mean, they're ahead in that game, and Aaron Rodgers is great, but, I mean, everyone is wide open. They can't cover. They can't pressure. Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks were both not playing. Mack is done for the year. Like They've got nothing. That no. team has is given up. It's done. It's over. Quinn and Bilal Nichols had a good game, but outside of that, like, I'm looking at, like, Jalen Johnson. I'm like, God, I remember when Courtney, our draft scout, had him mocked in a couple of her drafts, and she's probably, you know, shaking in her boots right now. So, um, you know. I, they should win. I'm going to pick them to win. It's Soldier Field. They don't play well there. Would it surprise me if they lose? No, it wouldn't. But they should, that that should be two wins right there. And you're six and seven. So like, let's just say that that's, you know, that pushes you to eight and six. Now, do we split the final two games with, um, with the Rams and with the Green Bay? I think that's probably fair. I still think eight and nine is probably where this team ends up though. Mm -hmm. Just kind of feels like, 
you know, it's not going to be a nine and eight situation. I, I just, I can't see, I can't see them winning four games here, like in the final stretch. Yeah. I, I just can't. Yeah. Uh, I might, I think I'm going to break my rule this week. Probably after watching Chicago play, I'll probably break my rule of never picking the Vikings at soldier field. Oh, I, I mean, I'm picking them this week. That's, that's for yeah. sure going to happen, but all right. Yeah. Well, we will see what happens and uh, we will be on top of it going forward. And uh, you get to travel back to your home state for a Chicago game, which is always good. So be good. Uh, thank you for joining me in imagination land, Courtney. And you uh, are more do- than welcome. <laughs> imagination. Next time, give me more of a heads up and I'll call draft scout and I'll get her a little bit more prepared. Cause she okay. was just like really, really like off putting gr- when I was little, texting her a little grouchy. Mm. Cause we interrupted her. She's in the middle of like important gr- tape grinding time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unlike you, that you're never grouchy. Never, never. I'm an even-keeled human being. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>